Welcome to Locarno Meets, where the most exciting new talent and established legends of cinema come to chat about art, life, movies, and everything in between. Brought to you by UBS and hosted by me, Alexander Miller, from Locarno Film Festival. Men never do evil so completely and cheerfully as when they do it from religious conviction. This is a quote from Lambert Wilson's heroic priest in the classic of Gods and Men. But it's strangely applicable to his new film, Five Hectares. The only difference is that in Five Hectares, Lambert's character has less of an infallible religious conviction and more of a passing fascination with buying a tractor and pretending to be a farmer. In 2023, Wilson is also the president of the jury awarding the Golden Leopard Prize at the Locarno Film Festival. We sat down to discuss his new film and the burden of judging art. I started by accidentally demoting him. You know, I know you're on the, the jury here at Locarno, but I want to talk about five hectares. I'm not in the jury. I'm the president of the jury. Sorry, I apologize, Mr. Different. President. Monsieur President, I apologize. Uh, but I want to talk about five hectares as well. Yes, um, definitely. I think it's a really good film. I think it's, it's Thanks, funny. And it's thoughtful. I think your performance at the center of it is is great and really subtle and uh, kind of universal in some ways. But, um, you know, ultimately, it's about a man who's urge to be independent ends up kind of being defined by a, a mission to defy both mechanics and nature by driving a tractor uh, across country. Do you see him as a heroic figure or as, a, as an old man shaking a fist at clouds? I think the director, Emilie Deleuze, would probably consider him a fool more than anything. She said to me at the beginning when we met that the film was about the obsessiveness of men when they acquire land, that men, as opposed to women, become completely possessed and obsessive and ridiculous. I must say that I found the same thing myself. You know, you become obs you become obsessive about the, the borders of your little empire, you know, and you start hating your neighbors or you start being threatened. You feel threatened by it. You see that tree coming over your face. Yeah, yes, exactly. And, you, uh, and then also that men are obsessed not only with the land, but also like little boys with the objects that are connected to the use of the land, i.e. things to plow the land or to uh, go across the land with so tractors and SUVs and and then you can extend it to uh, firework um, trucks and things. You know, they're like little boys. They become obsessed by machines. Mm. I thought, oh, this is interesting. This is an interesting subject because I felt very connected to, to those feelings. I have a land. I have a tractor. You I have, have a tractor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, and then it is about the preconceived idea that city people have of uh, what it is to be a farmer and particularly in france you know there is a there's a lot of uh, farmer bashing so with covid a lot of um, city people in france went to the countryside and they decided that this was going to going to be a, the great solution and they had to adapt. In fact, a lot of them have left again. The same thing happened in England. Yes. Um, and so um, basically it's the story of a change of life. It's a change of paradigm. He starts with a very intellectual mind. He's a scientist. He has principles about, you know, 
what he can bear or not from his neighbor farmer. And then he embarks on this Don Quixote type initiation journey. And, and then his life is going to change because he, in his flesh, he's going to start living what they live living nature, he's going to be completely shaken both by the tractor, but also by his encounters. And he's not the same man at the end of the film, which I find that is, that's always a very good journey mm. for any character. You know, and we're watching so many films uh, as members of the jury. Uh, I always love it when the character is not the same at the end of the film, you know, otherwise it's boring. It is a portrait of a society, a modern society problem, at least in France, but it is a universal portrait of a man whose life changes simply because he um, puts himself off balance for a silly reason, acquiring an object. I think, I think it's interesting that the great offense he takes is to be called a tourist, as though to suggest that, the, suggest that he doesn't have the innate right to be anywhere he wants to be is in some way a blow on his soul, you know? And it is an assault in the sense that in the countryside, and I have many friends who have been in villages in, in France, in, in the Bourgogne area, let's say, they have been there for more than 40 years, and they are still considered foreigners. And uh, although they have, in a way, plowed the land and they have it completely integrated, it's an insult that you, you never recover from. You want to belong. Mm. The farming community is always, uh, is always very suspicious you never belong in a way, even if you've been there or almost for generations, if you do not come from, from the roots, from the land. And, um, it puts you in a position of weakness. You, you want to, um, he, he wants to be called a farmer because for him intellectually, um, he wants the same status as his enemy, i.e. the farmer. So he thinks it's going to be, um, possible by the acquisition of the, tractor, the symbol of that status. But um, it's a, it's a full on war for him. If, if he if he's still called a tourist, he has failed. Mm. And it's only at the end when he's getting completely drunk with his enemy, the farmer that they bond and they will be uh, meeting on an on equal grounds. I love that their relationship is kind of formed over booze because it feels like a transition from a seven-year-old to a 14-year-old? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're still kids. And what's interesting in the film, okay, it's written by three women. It's directed by Emily, a woman. I think it's really a film about men and women. All the women look at the men with a form of bewilderment. Mm. And it is a film written by, by, by women. In fact, one of the writers is married to the character that was the inspiration of the story. <laughs> No, I Do, won't tell you whom. <laughs> does he have a tractor? He is a, He has a neighbor. He has a tractor. He has everything. He has, <laughs> his war is my character's war. Yeah. I had a very strange experience while watching it because when you sit down to watch a French film about tractors, you don't expect to suddenly hear Bobby Gillespie. I'm uh, glad you, you, <laughs> you recognize him and his uh, music. Oh, instantaneously. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the, the oddity and the talent of, of somebody like Emilie Deleuze. She's, you know, she, she has that imagination to put things together. And um, the joy for us, for me uh, as a performer, was the fact that Bobby delivered some music immediately just before we were shooting. And so therefore, uh, I actually uh, sang to his music that was um, made for the film. And I danced 
a in, great in the woods. Right, too short. I danced so much. I couldn't walk for five <laughs> days after that dance. She only kept so little of it. I just thought, oh, come on, be braver. Yeah, you know, I, th this was a, for me, it was like a sort of, a, you know, like the rite of spring. You know, I was in the water, in the river, in the mud. You know, it's, it's just, I, I almost had a heart attack when I did that scene. And uh, she just kept, she, 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 I thought she wasn't brave enough. She should have, because that's also the subject of the film. Like in any transcendental journey, you go through a period of complete madness, which is something that you see in medieval uh, stories like Sir Percival goes through a form of madness before he you know, can ask, to whom do we serve the grail? The, uh, all the knights of the uh, round table go through a phase of complete madness. He has his uh, nature madness. Yeah. Yes. And... Uh, you know, it's the first time that I'm a co-producer for films. I really completely uh, uh, invested or, you know, shared, well, I wasn't paid. And uh, as movie actors and, uh, you know, we're always a little fussy about our comfort and, uh, you know. And it's not because it was my money. It's just that I was living an extraordinary experience. I, I, I didn't need anything. I didn't need any comfort. I was on my tractor. I mean, I could have slept even on the grass, you know, at night because it was such an intense experience. Small crew. It's, it's so odd. I'm filming a series now, which is about luxury and fashion. And I'm back in my trailer, you know, in comfort and boredom. Yeah. And I long for the days of, you know, this uh, essential roughness singing to Gillespie's songs. You know, the, the film is, you know, it's kind of ultimately about a man who's kind of searching for a new identity. And it struck me that, well, you as an actor get to have multiple identities often, you know. Hopefully. What, what, a, what a luxury compared to, you know, the rest of us who might have to go and buy a tractor. Well, tough luck, <laughs> you know, because it was very complicated to, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, it's a choice. It's a choice of life, but it's a philosophical choice, which I, I, I made when I was an adolescent. I just thought being inside one life wasn't enough. It was a, a um, I was obsessed by the notion that life was short, extremely short. And so I had to multiply the lives in order to fool myself that I was extending life. And so, um, and also as Betty Davis said, most actors become actors because they don't like themselves. Sure. So you want to see a reflection, even a momentary reflection of yourself in a mirror that, that doesn't remind you of you. So I push that, I push that as much as I, as I can. I also received a form of, of, of training in England that was particular. Uh, I went to a drama school that called the drama center that teaches the American method in which transformation is key, which is not the French rule at all. You know, the French tend to keep on talking about themselves and being themselves. Sure. You know, if you think of the great French actors, you know, if you think of Depardieu or, or Catherine Deneuve, or, you know, they, they're very often themselves. Whereas I was trained in a different way and my models are more um, Anglo-Saxon. Actors from England or America are really obsessed by the transformation. But for me, it's a, it's a practical trick to make life longer or almost eternal. So if you're a conquistador in the middle of the uh, jungle, as I was with Carlos Saura and El Dorado, you know, I also travel in time, but I can seriously travel in time. Mm. You know, if I remove my glasses, then I don't see the camera anymore. I can see just, uh, you know, people in armors and Indians. And then I really believe that uh, it's magical that way. For me, for, for me, it's the only way 
to survive as a human being is to, is to just multiply the lives. And I don't need drugs for that. I can, I can be paid for it as well. The result. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've been in, obviously this is a small French project. You've been in enormous international projects. I kind of wondered as an actor, obviously we're, we're a result of our environments, you know, and I wondered if being on an enormous set, like, I don't know, Matrix Maybe. or something like that, which is effectively an enormous company that started and took over an enormous part of land. And, you know, there's a thousand things going on, very different pressures. I wondered if that had a different, almost cellular effect on, on an actor as opposed to being in a with, a with a small crew on a small project. I tell you, when you film at the end of the day, even if you're filming with an army behind the Wachowski sisters or it just boils down to this, you know, it's only one camera, one actor and a director behind the camera and, uh, and the sound person and a lighting designer. And that's a, a lighting cameraman. And that is it. And then you see in the background, you see an army mm. maybe, but the activity is, is, is the same and nothing, nothing, nothing changes. It's practicalities. Um, the army uh, makes it, but you know, the army has to feed itself. I mean, the, the, the bigger the army, the, the bigger the army that needs to take care of the army. So it's just like an endless, on American films, it's like an endless thing, you know. Canteens for the canteen people, you know, and this is like, it becomes completely absurd. Thank God the activity, the action is the same and the intimacy uh, can be the same. Uh, and the, the, the rest is just, of course, what's different is uh, money gives you time. But you know what? Sometimes in big American films, it's very boring for actors because that extended time means you're not doing anything. You're, you're waiting in your, in, in your trailer. Lack of time on small budget film, I find really exciting because mm. I hear you on the move all the time. And, you know, it's better than being bored in a trailer. Um, so on Emily's film, Five Ikta, you know, uh, I, I was just there on all the time. Uh, this, you know, no time to wait for, because you're, first of all, you're in the center of the story, but also because this, the, you know, she had so much to do in, 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 in so little time. So at the beginning, I used to find that uh, the money that those m massive studio productions brought one was a possible chance for the directors. And I think that creatively, it can be crushing on, the, uh, you know, it's just the exact opposite. And that the freedom comes from the lightness. Mm. You are not just on the jury, you are the president of the jury. Subtle <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Some> hint. <laughs> um, do you find it strange to judge art? Oh, yeah. You know, first, first of all, I find it difficult for my brain to, to skip from one universe to the other. That's just like a, a, on a psychiatrical level, it's just like, oh, there's great empathy. We are movie people. We, we, you know, we look at films uh, with great intensity. It's not just, you know, sitting back and being entertained. You know, it's just like we try and analyze. We travel with them. We are in their countries. Um, and it's just for my brain, uh, really, really difficult. I'd like to see a maximum of two films a day. And we've had to see three almost every day. We do not judge. We will discuss among ourselves with a great crew of uh, jury members. We have created an interesting family. When I say that, I really mean it. It's, it's, it's like a little family. Um, the 
input of each person is really interesting. So uh, this is what we do. We discuss what creates cinema or not, what succeeds, what fails. And then basically I could tell you tomorrow afternoon if uh, whether it's difficult to judge because we'll have to come up with a, with a result. And then maybe we'll, you know, we will destroy this nice little family and we'll all hate one another ever after. But um, what seems to be a relief is the fact that art and great art comes almost like a, obviously there's no it's, there's an evidence so you can you just receive it in a way suddenly it's, it's there and we all agree at the same time it's just like ah and so, does that tend to be something that is then quite hard to define it is always hard to define i mean people have tried to define it for generations they try to define that about music they try to define that about like you dancing know, about art. architecture right you know, um, we try, you know, we're like, you know, little insects going, dee, 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 this is cinemized, this, 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 The good thing is when it works, when it is complete, uh, it seems to be touching the intellect and the, and the emotional center at the same time and, and even the body sometimes. And it's, uh, and it's evident. So I think we're going to rely on that. And, uh, what's a little bit more frightening, but my, co-jury members are very, very strong and mature, so they protect me from that insecurity, is how people will react to our selection, you know, because then you think, ah, my God, all the haters of the world are going to attack us, you know. Uh, but, you know, I have strong adult people with me. I'm the oldest, but they are much more mature than I am, and they, they protect me from that insecurity. Uh, it's launching a, 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 a choice in the universe, a, a reduction of a selection is, uh, as we know, you discuss that with everyone, it's a political gesture. You know, you choose to underline what has been revealed by one sensitivity by a director. It's a, uh, you put to the side other topics um, that are in the air and there are many that people want to talk about many that they want us jury members to celebrate to 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 point out the main and this is what emily deleuze told me she was a member of the jury she said to me i asked her what are the criteria just tell me just what what is the criteria and she said cinema is it cinema above all forget about the issues sure is it great cinema so I'm happy because we we have agreed already on what we consider great cinema. So far, we have. Good. Well, look, that seems like a nice place to end. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I wish it was like that all the time. That was really interesting. A great thanks to Lambert. This has been Locarno Meets, a podcast from Locarno Film Festival brought to you by UBS. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods. This has been a true anti-classic production hosted by me, Alexander Miller, and produced by Jack Boswell.